Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What does David know as he leaves? He's not alone. He has a great friend in Jonathan. He has an amazing advisor in Samuel. He has a wife that God had given him that enabled him to be free, who loves him. He would later write, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for God is with me. He understands that like never before. But the bottom line is really this. I want you to see it, and I want you to write it tonight. The power of God was protecting David. I think it's fair to say that you have never been in a situation like David was in. To have your father-in-law continually trying to kill you or have you killed, that's probably not a part of your experience. The stress and worry he faced virtually every waking hour, unimaginable. And yet, as Pastor Mark will be teaching, David had the foresight to seek Samuel and to get his guidance you'll learn that God has avenues of escape for you, just like he did for David. Your escape to safety may not be as unconventional as David's was, but it will be there nonetheless. Seek him, and he will show you the way out. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 19 as he continues in his series called The Life of David. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So here's David. He's on the run again. Here's the fugitive. He's headed out. David will write about this. Let's turn to Psalm 59, if you will, quickly. David will write about this Kind of like his journal, but it becomes biblical. It becomes part of scripture. He'll write about this very experience. We don't know exactly when he wrote it, but it's from 1 Samuel chapter 19. In this attempt of Saul to kill David in his bed at his home. And there's four steps tonight. I'll give them to you at the end. In Psalm 59, the first step is prayer, David praying. Now, when you see dogs in this translation, he's really speaking about his enemies. He's not talking about dogs, he's talking about his enemies. Look at verse 1. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. See how they lie in wait for me. Outside his home. Fierce men conspire against me. Watch what David says. For no offense or sin of mine, O Lord. What's David saying? He's saying, wait a minute. I'm not guilty of anything. I didn't do anything wrong. But these guys, 
these guys are here. So you can sense in those words some anxiety, naturally, some fear, maybe a little bit of panic, but he's praying. It's good. He's being open. He's being honest, but he's praying, I need your help, God. I need your help. Verse 4, I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. God, arise to help me. Look on my plight. Personal God, God is here. Verse 5, O Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations, showing no mercy to the wicked traitors. They return at evening, snaring like dogs. And again, that illustration. And prowl around the city. See what they spew from their mouths. They spew out swords from their lips. And they say, who can hear us? So the first step is his prayer. God, look what situation I'm in. Here's the plight. Here's where I'm at. Good illustration for all of us when we're having difficult times. God, here's where I'm at. I'm really fearful. I don't understand why these people, this circumstance, this company, this individual at work, whatever, is against me. God, help me. I need you. God, you almighty are the one that can help me. Now, somewhere after this prayer, God gives David a plan and Michael a plan, and they work with that. So the next step is kind of that plan that God gave him a way to escape. And then the last basic two steps are for peace or protection. Look at verse 8. But you, O Lord, you laugh at them. And you'll see more of God laughing at the end of our chapter tonight. O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all those nations. O my strength, I watch for you. O God, you're my fortress, my loving God. God will go before me, and he will let me gloat over those who slander me. So he's already seeing the outcome of this, protection that God's going to get. But do not kill them. O Lord, our shield or my people will forget, and your might make them wonder about and bring them down. For the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips, let them be caught in their pride, specifically Saul, for the curses and lies they utter. Consume them in wrath, consume them that they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. So he's just saying that he feels assured because there is protection coming from God. They return at evening, just like they did, snarling like dogs and prowl around the city. They wander about for food and howl if not satisfied. Then verse 16 and 17 is his fourth step, this praise. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. Why? Because he's already gone. He's escaped. God has defeated the plan of Saul. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. Oh, my strength, I sing praise to you. Oh, God, are my fortress, my loving God. By the way, verse 16 and 17 are great things for you to put down in your journal when you're going through that time. He doesn't know how everything's going to turn out, but he's freed from that point, and he gives God praise. So write these five keys down that we see in this really quickly, and then we'll head right back to Samuel. We see five things from David really here. Prayer, the plan of God to escape. See, it wasn't like God's going to make him invisible. No, there was a plan, and God gave the plan to the husband and wife. Then there was peace because he knew it was going to work. God was going to do the next step, protect him. And finally, even though he doesn't understand all the outcome, there's praise. When we get in trouble, those are five neat steps that kind of go that way. Prayer, why? Because we're panicking a little. Circumstances aren't good. Doctor's report wasn't good. Then, God, I need a plan. How are you going to do this? Is there anything I need to do? Then, God, I need your peace. I receive your peace because I know you're for me. You're not against me. You're going to protect me. And God, and of course, this is at the end, really, when he's outside the window and gone, escaped. There's praise. 
God, I'll sing of you, of your strength in the morning. You know, joy comes in the morning. Very often at night it doesn't come, but it comes in the morning. Now back to 1 Samuel. So it's good from time to time to go back and see that David wrote this. It would be like his journal, that your journal, things that happen. And for David to go back here and see what God did is a great, great encouragement. Same for you, same for me. Look at verse 18. When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. Young David did a wise thing. He went to a godly man to seek counsel. He had to leave his wife. He's not sure exactly where Jonathan is. He knows Jonathan's for him. He knows his wife's for him. But where is he going to go? He's on the run. He can't go back to the palace. He can't go back home. Where in the world is he going to go? And he goes to really probably the only godly man he knows, Samuel the prophet. It's great in our lives to have some good friends that we can count on to help us clarify confusing issues in our lives. Next thing you want to write is, godly friends can provide much needed wisdom. You need godly friends. You need men and women, man to a man and a woman to a woman, who can give you godly counsel to bounce things off of. We all need that. There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. Proverbs 5.1 says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Of course, that's speaking about God directly. But God gives wisdom to you and to myself. We don't do life alone. So David doesn't really know what to do. So he goes to Samuel, the man who anointed him. And he gives him this whole story. And you can begin thinking as he's doing that, he's trying to think in his mind, what should I do next? Man, I've done everything I know to do, and every time I go back, I trust Saul, it doesn't work. What should I do? You will be in places like that. I'll be in places like that. I've been in many times in places like that. What do I do, God? Well, Ephesians says this, be careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And so you and I have to go to the Word, we have to go to God, we have to go to our friends who are godly and say, I need wisdom, I need help, I don't really know what to do. Because that's exactly where, think, think about this, a few years before, we don't know how long, David's a shepherd. This is totally out of his range. He has no idea what to do. So he goes to wonderful Samuel. And he tells him the whole deal, probably saying to Samuel, can you reverse the anointing? Can I go back to where I was? Who knows what he said to him? Because, I mean, this isn't fun. I didn't do anything wrong. I still haven't done anything wrong. I'm innocent. Verse 19, word came to Saul. Isn't that amazing how much the enemy knows? Word came to Saul. David is in Naoth. At Ramah. So he sent men 
to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Now, let me just talk a little bit about these verses. I'm not going to take a long time. The first thing I want to say to you is, personally, I don't understand these verses at all. I've read many commentators through the years. I have a few little insights, and I think they have a few little insights, but some things we just don't understand. It's okay. Here's what I learned from Pastor Chuck many years ago. When you come to something you don't understand, go back to something you do understand. Is that wise? This is very wise. By the way, do you think we're going to understand everything in the Bible? No, we don't understand everything in the Bible. Now remember, let me make a statement to you. God's ways are not our ways. God can do anything. When you think you put him in a box, good luck. It doesn't work. So he's outside the box and all kinds of things. I don't really understand. I'll give you a few things here. Number one, what is this saw a group of prophets prophesying? Well, here's what happened. When Samuel moved out of the limelight, it seems like he started this school of prophets. Young men that may have felt called to be used by God. It's kind of like Pastor Dave and the whole group that started the school of ministry. And so in this town, there was a school of prophets. And Samuel's teaching them. He's teaching them about God, the faithfulness of God, the anointing and whatever. And here comes the prophesying. Now that word prophesying can be taken in lots of ways, but most people really believe it was just a praising God, spontaneous praises to God. And so really what happened is Saul finds out that David's up in this town. He doesn't really know much about this, but it's kind of, it'd be like this church. They have this group meeting together somehow, and they're praising God. The Spirit of God there. Maybe they've got the banjo and the electric guitar going and whatever, and they're just praising God. And these servants, really, of Saul come, and they're there to take David away back to kill him. When they get there, for some reason, um, notice this verse, the, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men as they prophesied. So let's just picture this building tonight as kind of that, it wouldn't be anywhere near this size, a small group of people, and they walk in the back, and they hear these guys praising God. God, you're an amazing God, you know, and whatever, they're just praising God. And they kind of get into it. Yeah, I like that song. And pretty soon, it isn't the natural, but the Spirit of God comes on them. Now figure that out. They're there to kill somebody, to take them back to be killed. And the Spirit of God comes on. I don't understand that. But they start praising So when the service is over, let's read on. Look at verse 21. They go back to Saul. Saul was told about it. So he sends more men. You guys are funky. What happened to you? What do you mean you're praising God? And they also prophesied too. And look at this. Here he goes again. And Saul sent men the third time. And they also prophesied. So what in the world is happening? Three different groups of people go. They all go there. The Spirit of God comes on them. They're prophesying. What can I say? I don't know. Except to say to you, God's ways are not our ways. Now, at least temporarily, they're worshiping men. In the background, you're going to see what's really happening. Here's a verse to remind us of something tonight. 2 Corinthians 10.4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So 
I think what's really happening is uh, these guys are coming in the physical. They're trying to take David away to kill him in the physical. God's working the battle, not in the physical realm. He's working in the spiritual realm. And he sends the spirit on them. And they're all prophesying. So if they're prophesying and praising God, they've forgotten their plan. They're not taking, David's fine. David's just worshiping, learning with Samuel. They forgot him. The plan has been foiled. All right? I wish that was the end of it, but here's verse 22. Finally, he, Saul, himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at CQ. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? Over in Naoth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon him. And he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. So what happens there? As Saul goes, he says, look, you want a job done, you got to do it yourself. You guys all come back filled with the spirit or whatever. Forget it. I'm going to go and take care of this. I'll take care of David. I'll take care of him. Do all that. So he goes. All of a sudden, the spirit of God comes on Saul. Now, let's stop for a moment. Did Saul ever have the spirit of God on him? Yes, he did. When he was anointed to be king, he had the spirit of God on him. So he knew what the spirit of God was like. But remember, when he failed, his pride caused God to what? Remove the spirit of God to him. Now, there's some people, when you read this commentary, believe that one of the things God was saying really was, Saul, look what could have happened if you'd have stayed humble. Because I'm in charge of, uh, of anointing you and putting the Spirit of God. Notice how good this is? This could have happened to you if you would have really followed me. We don't know if that's true or not. Look at what happens in verse 24. It gets worse. He stripped off his robes. And also prophesied in Samuel's presence. And he lay that way all that day and night. This is why the people say is Saul among the prophets. So what happens? When he really gets into the spirit, Saul takes off, by the way, he takes off all his armor, his kingly garments, and he's down to like his nightshirt. And he's on the floor. And he's in the spirit for the next day and a half. Now, while he's there, what about his plans to kill David? They're on hold. And if you look at the next verse in the next chapter, what does David do? Take a look at it. He leaves. He's gone. So David takes this opportunity to get away from danger once again. Now, that is a strange way to free David, isn't it? Going over a basket? Okay. But causing this to happen? I really don't know. All of Saul's efforts were useless because the power of God was totally in control. Now, it could be again. Remember, Saul's real problem was pride. I can make it happen. What was God saying? Really? You can't make it happen. I'm the one in control. As we think about this, here's what I do know. By the way, Saul is not one of God's prophets. The question is asked, is Saul among the He was not. Spirit has been gone. This is temporary. What does David know as he leaves? He's not alone. He has a great friend in Jonathan. He has an amazing advisor in Samuel. He has a wife that God had given him that 
enabled him to be free, who loves him. He would later write, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for God is with me. He understands that like never before. But the bottom line is really this. I want you to see it, and I want you to write it tonight. The power of God was protecting David in a very strange way for us, a really strange way. The power of God was protecting David. And the next thing I want you to write is this. The safest place for us to be in the whole world is walking in the Spirit. David was there in the Spirit. And God is really, I think, when David goes there to Samuel and that school of the prophets and people are prophesying, they're worshiping God. I believe God was doing a thing in the heart of David. Look, I've called you. I've anointed you. David, it's going to happen. You don't need to walk by sight. Maybe God said to David, look at the back of the room. You see that row of people? They're here to kill you. Later on, see that row of people? That's a different group of people here to kill you. Look at Omega. That's the third group of people here to kill you. And by the way, do you recognize who that is laying on the floor, totally out in his nightshirt? That's King Saul. By the way, if you're King Saul, and you're taking all your garments off, and you're laying on the floor in your nightshirt for a day and a half, how's that for humility? Huh? That's humbling. Who did that? God did. So I think what God is saying is, look what happened to all these assassins. Look what happened to Saul, who were out to kill you. David, I'm in control. It doesn't matter. Walk by faith. Trust me. Quit walking by your sight. Quit walking by your heart. Fearful. Trust me. Trust me. I don't know any more than that. But I do know the bottom line. The Spirit of God and the power of God is what you want in your life and what I want in my life. And I also know this tonight, it's a good thing to say I don't know, because he does know. If you think you know everything, you might find yourself in a nightshirt sometime. (laughs) Am I right? I mean, his ways, seriously, are not our ways. We just can't explain some things. Now, let me caution you. Don't take some of the things you see here and try to transform them over to the New Testament. Because when we get to the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Paul tells us how to make sure a meeting led by the Spirit is done properly in an order. This is an exception. This is something very different. We don't really understand it. But when we get to the New Testament, we have all we need to know. And I do know this. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. Keep on being filled with the Spirit of God because that's the only thing that's going to keep you and I walking in the Spirit and not walking by sight and by sound. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark spoke about the importance of having godly friends who can provide godly counsel. He also taught about the vital components of a healthy relationship with God. You also heard that you're in spiritual battle all of the time. You were told about the weapons that God provides to every Christ follower and how David used those in his life. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, that wraps up another teaching in this series called The Life of David. Next time, he will continue talking about David's life. You'll hear about David's wrestling with and succumbing to fear. You'll be told how this negatively affected his decision-making, and you'll learn how this can apply to your own life. You'll be reminded that faith and fear are opposites, and how that matters to you. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.